Hey, Anna, remember that time West Virginia created one of the world's most beloved cryptids? Time and Historical Podcast. I'm your host, Anna Webb. And I'm your host, Amanda Webb. This is a podcast where two sisters totally geek out on all of their favorite moments in history. And we're here and it's happening. And we did it. We hey, did it. The last episode you listened to came out like a couple days after they called the election in America, but we had recorded it a couple days before they called the election. <laughs> so the energy so- <laughs> was certainly something. <laughs> But hooray, we did it. Yay. It's thank all God. still very dramatic because, you know, why would the why would the man in office ever admit that he's lost anything? Um, but we won. We did. We did. It. Thank God. Okay. And we made it through. We did. <laughs> and it feels great. And here we are now. Mm-hmm. Shall we have a drink update to celebrate the occasion? <laughs> Yeah, I'm having some red wine, and it smells really good. Ooh. I opened this the other day, and I only had, like, one glass. And so I went to pour myself a glass today, and I was like, oh, I forgot how good that smells. Mm. I'm drinking water, and it mm. smells like nothing. <laughs> it smells like water. Got it from my sink. Mm-hmm. It's water. Got it from your sink, because we are middle class indeed from our sinks and also trying not to waste plastic you know how it goes do you know every time our aunt comes over to my house she'll because <laughs> i live in an apartment i said house but i live in an apartment she'll go into the kitchen to get some water and she's like so just from the tap because she drinks filtered water because uh-huh. they've got like they live on like a farm or whatever and i'm like yeah just from the tap <laughs> uh, i don't filter my water it's fine oh jeez. Well, this week, we're going to talk about Mothman. This has been a long time coming. <laughs> if you did no not one, know this about No one me, loves the Mothman more than my sister, Amanda Webb. Yes. No one on this earth. Yes. Uh, it's my favorite thing. Uh, it's been on my list since day one. I've been holding off. I was going to do it as like a Halloween episode at some point, but I, I needed it this week. <laughs> Just, I'm just waiting for the day that you decide to get a Mothman tattoo. Oh God, I kind of can't believe you haven't already. Yeah, you I have know. more than one Mothman ornament on your Christmas tree right yes, now. Yes, I do. Homemade <laughs> for me by a friend. Straight up. <laughs> you, I love it. Don't you have like a basically a wall of cryptid art at this yes, point? Or at I least do. part of a wall? Yes. Okay. 100%. And a section <laughs> of my car for, yeah. is, is stickers, stickers of cryptids specifically. Yeah. So I love it. It's my favorite thing. Uh, um, this, who knows how this episode's going to go. I know a lot about the Mothman. And so I really had to try very hard to organize <laughs> my thoughts and feelings for the notes. So we'll see how it goes. I will also say at the top, um, I've said this before. I find it more fun to believe in things like this than to mm-hmm. not believe in things like this. So we are going to approach this episode with an energy of, and joy of belief because it's more fun. <laughs> yeah. We'll talk about like theories and like the reality of the situation probably, but I find it more fun to to 
believe in things you know i find it more fascinating than anything like the way these things are created this one uh there are so many things i love about this yeah we find a lot of pride in the mothman because it is you guys can't stress enough how absolutely rare it is that something anything comes out of west virginia yeah and then becomes well known like it is so rare another reason why we as people are obsessed with the mcelroy brothers because it's one of those rare occasions yeah yeah so like or, or if we talk about stuff that like comes from west virginia people don't know what what it is yes i remember talking to people when i went to college people from other states that came in and i remember trying to explain pepperoni rolls to them and they were like it's just pepperoni and bread and i was like yeah it's like a thing we invented it it's like (laughs) but they didn't know what it was it's like it's so rare but all of these things are very like always in our cultural lexicon Uh (laughs) so when something gets into the national lexicon like this it's like very exciting yes. for us yeah i don't know about other west virginians but for us personally yes i yeah, yeah i'm with you so let's get into it i've yes. organized my notes in a way i've never had to do before i have headings we're here let's do it so i'm gonna start with just like the original story and the original sightings mm-hmm. and that's where we're gonna begin one of the reasons why i decided like that Today, this episode was a good time to do this was because this month uh, celebrates the 54th anniversary of the first Mothman sightings. Oh. For us recording, it's actually, it was earlier this week was the Mm -hmm. like anniversary. Um, But for you guys, that would have been last week. So yeah, this month is, is the anniversary of the original sightings. Wow. So let's get into them. Yes, let's. On November 12th, 1966, a group of grave diggers in Clendenin, West Virginia, see what they describe as a large man with wings gliding from tree to tree. While this sighting isn't as famous, it is now considered to be probably the first sighting of what is going to be known as the Mothman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry, can you imagine? <laughs> can you imagine? Especially a group of grave diggers, like it's already kind of spooky, and it's so Appalachian, Ugh, which we'll yeah. talk about more later. But like, ugh, yeah. Um, the original, like, official and most famous sighting of the creature occurs on November fifteenth, nineteen sixty six, in Point Pleasant, West Virginia, when Roger and Linda Scarberry. And Steve and Mary Mallet are out on a late night drive near the abandoned West Virginia Ordnance Works Munitions Plant, which is better known as the TNT area. Oh, which is a whole other thing. Oh, we will get into it. <laughs> okay. Um, I, you can actually find the original newspaper article about their this. Um, this first sighting, and I found it, and I figured I would read it. I'm just going to read it as part of the episode, because it's not Great. that long. Yeah. So this was a newspaper article from Wednesday, November 16th, the day after, um, 1966, in the Point Pleasant Register, and it's called, Couples See Man-Sized Bird, dot, 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 Creature, dot, 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 something. <laughs> Which is a great I mean, I've title. seen this article, but that always makes me laugh. It's a great title. So here, here is the article. Quote, 
It was a bird or something. <laughs> it definitely wasn't a flying saucer. <laughs> Two Point Pleasant couples said today that they encountered a man-sized bird-like creature in the TNT area about midnight last night. Sheriff's deputies and city police went to the scene about 2 o'clock this morning, but were unable to spot anything. But the two young men telling their story this morning were dead serious and asserted they hadn't been drinking. Steve Mallett of 3305 Jackson Avenue and Roger Scarberry of 809 30th Street. Why did they put their addresses in this? Uh, that is know. a great question. I mean, it's a small town, but yes. still. Yeah. That seems... People Wild. probably already knew their addresses. Exactly. But that doesn't seem great or yeah. safe. Yeah. Um, described the thing as being about six or seven feet tall having a wingspan of 10 feet and red eyes about two inches in diameter and six inches apart. It was like a man with wings, Mallet said. <laughs> it wasn't like anything you'd see on TV or in a monster movie. Anna's losing her mind. I'm sorry. <laughs> keep going. Keep going. <laughs> the men and their wives were in Scarberry's car between 11.30 p.m. and midnight when they spotted the creature near the old power plant adjacent to the National Guard Armory buildings. The creature was seen standing on three occasions and was described as being extremely fast. Uh, quote, it flew about 100 miles an hour uh, and in flight, but was clumsy, was a clumsy runner, which I think is a great detail. Uh, Deputy Millard Halstead said he had seen dust in the vicinity of a cold field, but, quote, it could have been caused by the bird, he said. I'm a hard to scare guy, Scarberry said. But last night, I was I was for getting out, out of there. They did just that, but the thing followed them. They said it was hovering over the car, apparently gliding, until they reached the National Guard Armory on Route 62. Quote, we went downtown, turned around, and went back, and there it was again, Mallet said. It seemed to be waiting on us. He said the light gray creature then scurried through a field, it had also flown across the top of their car. And this isn't in this article, but I've heard other people say that there were scratch marks on the top of his car. I've heard that after too. The fact. It, it apparently is afraid of light, Mallet reasoned, and maybe it thought it was scaring us off. The young men said they saw the creature's eyes, which glowed red, only when their lights shined on it, and it seemed to want to get away from the lights. They said it looked like a man with wings, but that its head was not an outstanding characteristic. <laughs> Both were slightly pale and tired from lack of sleep during the night following their herring experience. They speculated that the thing was living in the vacant power plant, possibly in one of the huge boilers. There are, there are pigeons in all the other buildings, Mallet said, but not in that one. Sure. <laughs> it's just a thing I know. If I had seen it while by myself, I wouldn't have said anything, Scarberry commented, but there were four of us who saw it. They said it didn't resemble a bat in any way, but, quote, maybe what you would visualize as an angel. Oh, okay. <laughs> the last time they saw it was at the gate of the C.C. Lewis farm on Route 62. They heard a sound like wings flapping, and they said the bird rose straight up like a helicopter. This doesn't have an explanation to it, Mallet said. It was an animal, but nothing like I've seen before. Are they going to go back to look for the creature? Yes, Mallet said. This afternoon and again tonight. Today, Scarberry said. But tonight, I don't know. <laughs> and that's the original article about the, the very first Mothman sighting. 
Um, I lost my mind a little bit when you were describing the physicality, and I'm sure you know why. Um, my friends, if you if you've never seen the Mothman statue, oh, whoa, I, oh, oh yes, please Google it right this instant, please. It's the most incredible thing. I I cannot even appropriately describe yeah, it's it. It's art. It's so odd, and mm-hmm. it's nothing like you think it's going to be. Not at when all. When I say, look up the Mothman statue, I'm sure you get a picture in your head. I guarantee you that is not what it looks like, <laughs> whatever you're picturing in your head. It's so odd. It's the best. It's the greatest thing. And it's just in the center of town. I Like, literally the center of town. I think um, when we tweet out this episode, we'll tweet... A- a picture, the picture the of you, picture of me in its arms, it just being for lovingly scale. held by it. Yeah, <laughs> for scale because it's large. Yeah, we were we went to see it and we were standing there looking at it and this dad and <laughs> with his kid passed by and the kid who was probably I don't know like maybe four or five was like <laughs> he stopped and he looked at us and he was like um, that lives here. <laughs> We were like, yep, <laughs> it sure does. Because <laughs> uh, it's like, it's so weird. You're like in town and like there it is right in the center and right across the street is like the post office. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So bizarre. It's so bizarre. It's the best. We'll talk more about it. I'm sure later. we will. But I just remember us driving into town because we, go- we were going to see the McElroy's and we decided to stop because it was on our way. And we were driving into town and I'm I'm driving. Amanda's like looking. She's like, oh, where's the where's the statue? And I was like, it's it's literally right in the center. <laughs> just remember you going, oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so large and weird. It's the greatest. Um, so just to review their description of it. <laughs> Which is is most other descriptions of it have at least one, if not all, of these same characteristics um, when when they are being described. Mm-hmm. So they said it was six to seven feet tall with a ten foot win- wingspan, uh, red eyes that glowed red when the light was shining on them. Uh, it was afraid of light. It has no discernible head, which is wild. Weird. Uh, it was a black gray color. Some people have described it as having a brown color also, but I feel like that whole sort of area, yeah. you know, um, and that it flew up to 100 miles per hour, which How they- would they know that? Because they were driving 100 miles per hour and it was oh, keeping up with them. Because he see. was in a 57 Mustang, I think. And of was course like, he was. Well, they were they were drag racing on that strip of road. That's what oh, they were out doing. They were. They were just like. Just, <laughs> that's just what they were doing for fun. It's such a. It's just such a 1960s picture. Yeah, yeah. Mustang. They were just <laughs> out doing that for fun, so that car could go real fast. Right. And they started okay. getting chased, and they were they were driving up to 100 miles per hour, and it was keeping up with them, as the story goes. So over the next three days, at least eight other people report seeing a similar creature in the same area. And throughout the next year, there are over a hundred additional sightings of the creature, which is nicknamed Mothman by a local newspaper, which is uh, named after the Batman villain Mm -hmm. Mothman, Mm -hmm. which is so funny to me. And also, like, nobody ever described it looking like a moth. 
No. <laughs> they they all used the word bird quite a bit. Because it looks like a but, bird. Right. Nobody's nobody calls it a mob. It, but like now it's a, a lot of our characteristics and drawings of it look more, more moth like. Well, I guess maybe the eyes it's the could eyes. Have inspired that. And and probably. the and the I guess moths would be drawn to the light. It was averse to light, but you see the same I guess. You know, line of logic. It was the eyes that did it, but I find that really funny. They um, didn't call it Birdman? <laughs> the Birdman. Birdman? The only thing I can say in an Australian accent, and only because I've watched that episode of Portlandia like a hundred <laughs> times. Birdman. Uh, some people would go out to the TNT area to, like, hunt it and, like, see if they could spot it. And that's where a few of the sightings came from, from people going out looking for it. Uh, I read somewhere that local newspapers had at least some mention of the Mothman weekly throughout the next year. So, like, at least once a week in the paper, there would be some new report of a a Mothman sighting. Uh, I found a really cool website. Uh, I'll talk about it late. I can't remember what it is, but I quoted it later, so it's in here somewhere. Um, That had, like, an archive of every Mothman sighting in chronological Ah. order. It was really cool. Um, So you can find all of them if you want to. Uh, this one I just included because it's another pretty famous one that came, you know, like later in the story. Um, Newell Partridge reports seeing strange patterns and static on his TV and hearing a noise outside. So he goes outside with a flashlight to investigate it. And when he shines his flashlight towards the sound, he sees two red eyes, which he describes as resembling bicycle reflectors. And then shortly after, he discovers that his dog has gone missing. Huh. And he blames the disappearance of his dog on Mothman. Poor dog. I know, it's sad. But yeah, so so the whole town is just like, just frightened of it for like a year straight. And people are seeing well, it Well, yeah. Year. Yeah. And it just gets like bigger and bigger and bigger the longer mm-hmm. that it goes on. Then, on December 15th, 1967, exactly 13 months after the first Mothman sighting, the Silver Bridge that connects Point Pleasant, West Virginia, and uh, Gallipolis, Ohio, collapses during rush hour traffic. A single eye bar fractures, which causes the pin holding it in place to come loose, and the entire bridge falls apart. 64 people fall into the water and 46 people die in this tragedy awful it's terrible um there had been some reports of people seeing mothman on the bridge a few days before the collapse and later there would be more reports about people seeing him there beforehand and on that day but we're going to come back to that later and talk more about Mm -hmm. it later uh after the collapse of the bridge all reports of mothman in point pleasant stopped People stop seeing him. People stop talking about him. Um, I'll talk about him later, but a guy named, let me find him, Dennis Bellamy, who is the Mm -hmm. um, executive director of the Mason County Tourism Center. Uh, I was watching some stuff and saw him quoted in a few things uh, while I was researching. And he said, he like lived through this. And he said, like, nobody in the town even wanted to talk about Mothman after that. Like, it was done. There was, it ended that day. Wow. Mm-hmm. Very different to how the town is now. Literally and, all they talk about. <laughs> and we will get into that as yeah, well. Yeah, I'm sure we will. Um, so that's that's it. The story itself is pretty short. That's what happened. 
The reason it has become what it is comes later. Yeah. Um, and we will talk about that. But first I wanted to talk about a, just a couple of theories. Okay. About what happened. One of them is, we will get into why it is blown up. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So, one of the most popular explanations for the Mothman, and the one that I think is probably most likely, was that people were seeing some kind of bird. Sure. It was well, described as yeah, a bird. Obviously yeah, obviously that's most likely. Yeah. Um, in December of 1966, while the, like, during the height of the sightings, mm-hmm. uh, Dr. Robert L. Smith, who's an associate prof- professor of wildlife biology at West Virginia University, says that he believes people are seeing a sandhill crane. The sandhill cranes are three to four feet tall, and they have a wingspan of six and a half feet. And they also have a large red patch of, like, fur or Ah, skin or feathers above their eyes. I looked up a picture. Yeah. I see, I see. I could see that. Yes. Um, Sandhill cranes are not native to West Virginia, but it's not totally uncommon or unbelievable that they could be seen in this area. Like, there have been other sightings of sandhill cranes here. It's just well, not. And it would explain why it wasn't there that long. Yes. Or why there weren't many of them. Yes. Um, but yeah, it just wasn't normal for them to be here. They're, they're not a native bird. No. <laughs> no. Cranes, generally speaking, <laughs> not native to West Virginia. Well, and we'll also talk about this more in a second. There is a swamp in the area where the sightings occur. Yeah. So yeah. if it was there, that's definitely where it was living. Right. Right. Um, the barred owl is another popular potential explanation for Mothman sightings. Their heads are shaped very similarly to the way that Mothman's head is described. So it's just like a, a rounded head that goes straight to where their wings are, which is very much right, the right. shape that which many is people why describe. they couldn't discern it from their yeah, because they don't have a neck because it's an owl, right? Not as big though. No, it's not as big. No. Um. It would all. It could also explain Mothman's glowing red eyes. So sure. birds' eyes glow bright red when light is uh, shown on them because mm-hmm. they have extra blood vessels around their eyes. So anytime you shine a light on birds' eyes, they glow red. It's not just in pictures. It's just if you like flash a light on their eyes, that they'll glow. Right. Um, and barred owls specifically are known for having very dramatic eye shine. That's what this is called. Hmm. Uh, the TNT area, which is now called the McClintic Wildlife Management Area, does have a pop, uh, healthy population of owls. So that's also not completely unbelievable. Um, while some characteristics of these birds match those of the Mothman, they still wouldn't be able to explain how massive the Mothman was. Because the the thing that scared most people was how big how, it was. And the speed, probably, Yes, too. yes, both of those things. Hmm. Uh, the the explanation of this comes when <laughs> we, we... Some people believe that the Mothman sightings were of mutated versions of one of these birds, uh, which they could have caused them to grow large and develop unnatural characteristics that seems kind of ridiculous at first i mean mm, it is still kind of ridiculous even after you hear the explanation let's be honest oh yeah it's still ridiculous yeah um (laughs) but there's a reason people think 
Yeah. That mutations could have been could have been realistic there. Yes. Yeah. Um, and that's gonna come back to the old munitions plant. So I was watching this video from uh the PBS like digital studio uh Bless from a them. series called Monstrum. Mm-hmm. It's it was really interesting. Um, and the host was interviewing Dennis Bellamy who, as I said before, is the executive director of the Mason County Tourism Center. Mason County is where uh, Point Pleasant is. Uh, And in this interview, he was describing the old munitions plant. And he calls it a top secret government facility that made all of the er, explosives for the atomic bomb. Mm -hmm. Um, He says, while it was operational, it employed most of the town. Uh, Dennis says that employees would be driven to and from work in a bus where all the windows were blacked out. And employees never saw any other parts of the facilities besides the places where they were working. So it was like really top secret. And it was big. You can look up old pictures of this place. It was like massive. Um, He says, quote, the day we dropped the bomb on Hiroshima, they closed the facility. Like the day of. It was wild. Mm-hmm. West Virginia's been doing a lot of work for this country for a long time. Let me yeah. tell you something. Yeah. Uh, so Good near, or bad. Near the location of the first sighting is a large swamp, like I was saying. And there are several bunkers where explosives like, the t- like TNT and nitroglycerin were stored. Many believe that the old plant illegally dumped chemicals. And there is some evidence of that claim. That is a thing. Oh, yeah. In West Virginia, it's bad. No, I mean all over the country. Yeah, yeah. It's very bad. I think John Oliver did a piece on it, maybe. Mm Mm-hmm. Nuclear Waste. Well, and what's the the name of that movie with Mark Ruffalo? Which one? I'm going to find it. Hold on. That's about the the DuPont. The DuPont. Oh, yes. Dumping chemicals, which is very close to home for us. Yeah, a lot of people that we grew up with, their parents worked for DuPont. Dark Waters. It's Dark really Waters, good. It's yes. a really good movie. Um, that's very specifically about that. Not this, so, but a, another occurrence. So the dumping of chemicals was probably true. Yeah. Well, that in, seems very likely. In 1981, um, they discover something called a red water steep. Uh, red water is a mixture of cold water and cellulite that was used to rinse off TNT. Uh, and that mixture had had been dumped into the Ohio River and had caused some contamination. And that's only oh, what yeah. they discovered. I'm yeah. certain if they were making s- material for atomic bombs, they dumped things in the Ohio River. The Ohio oh, River yeah. is nasty. Oh, it it's horrendous. Full we of grew up right on it. It is not There good. are so many power plants on the river. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's, it is nasty. Um, and, and on there, the rivers that flow into it as well. Yeah. Like it's, oof. And there, there are mutated animals in that water. Like the, people, yeah. I have heard stories my whole life of people fishing up three-headed catfish. Yeah. Like, when yes. they've gone fishing. It is a real, a real problem. Um, I've swam in that water before and I'm not proud to say it. <laughs> so some believe that th- this or any other contamination or radiation from the old munitions plant could have mutated a bird like the sandhill crane and that could have been what those people were saying or were seeing um it just still seems very unlikely to me yeah because wouldn't they have seen it sooner first of all and secondly 
If not, how did it survive That's so what, long what as a mutated how animal? It that long, yeah. Uh, it d- does not make much sense mm-hmm. to me. But if an animal like the sandhill crane found its way to that area and was living in the just f- freaking full of radiation old plants yeah it is i i could see some type of mutation occurring but i i also don't understand how it could have survived for that long no i no Mm -hmm. i wouldn't expect something like that to survive a full year yeah that's for sure yes so especially in a climate that it's not native to yes so you know i don't know and you know you have to consider that there were parts of their story that obviously don't line up with the natural animals, but it's like also when people are afraid. That's what I was going to say. Like they see things, and then when one person says it, other people are more yes. likely to see that thing. Your brain plays tricks on you. It's very common. Yeah, yeah. It's possible that somebody saw a sandhill crane and made it bigger in their mind because it was late at night and they panicked. Like. Yeah, and you have to also think they were already hyped up on adrenaline because they were street racing. <laughs> yeah, and that's yeah, yeah. just true. They were hyped up on adrenaline, yeah. which will cause you to perceive things differently. Yeah. So I'm not a scientist, but uh, that seems like the most likely explanation <laughs> to me. Um, This one, I I either hadn't heard or I hadn't heard in a really long time. And it's just, it's one of those. And that's what I'll say about it. Very Appalachian. Yeah. Um, Or very just like, uh, it's like a Stephen King cop-out plot. You know what I mean? (laughs) Which is very Appalachian. (laughs) Yeah. Like, have you seen it? You know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So there's another theory that the Mothman and the bridge collapse occurred because of a curse. Ooh, a curse. Obviously. Um, In 1774, the Battle of Point Pleasant occurred between colonial settlers and Shawnee and Native Americans, who were led by Chief Cornstalk. Very famous battle in our state. Mm-hmm. There is a local legend that with his dying breath, Cornstalk cursed the town for 200 years, as people will say that they did. Um, some people believed that Mothman was a creature that embodied Cornstalk's, Cornstalk's curse and that he caused the bridge to collapse. And that well, was you know, if that's the true, then they deserved it. <laughs> well, the people who died on the bridge collapsed did not, but the no, 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 no. The, the town deserved the the torment, not the bridge collapse. Yeah. I don't think that has anything to do with it. <laughs> you know, for other reasons that I'm sure we'll get into about the actual happenings of the bridge collapse. Right. If it is true that this man put some sort of curse on the town, and then the town therefore suffered some sort of consequences, like torment by a large animal. They definitely deserved it. Right. Um, this was debunked, though, in 2006. Well, of course it was. Um, <laughs> in 2006, a historical pageant play was oh. discovered in an old schoolhouse in Point Pleasant that sh- showed the curse of K- Chief Cornstalk as a piece of dialogue in the play. White so, people love to make stuff up about Native Americans and curses. Oh, my God. I think that... Um, there was probably a local legend of the curse that then got Certainly. put on paper in that play. but the Or the other way around. Right. They put it on paper and then it became a legend. Right. Um, so I, I just thought that one was interesting and also like everything like this has one of those. 
Oh, yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, the it's Jersey, an ancient curse. Ooh. The Jersey Devil as a cryptid is based off of a curse. Like, right. the whole thing is. So it's just, you're expecting to hear something like that with these stories. Yeah. White people are very afraid of curses. I say that as a white person. It's just true. The bits in Parks and Rec with yeah. where Leslie thinks she's cursed and, and just that he whole He literally, character. when... <laughs> What's his name? Ken Hotate? That's yeah, the character's Ken Hotate. Name. When he's quote unquote breaking the curse, he's just making stuff up to say. Yeah. And then he literally says, doobie, doobie, do. So <laughs> and they're all like, oh, wow, the curse is broken. <laughs> White people. Oh, man. We're the worst. Indeed. The worst. Um, there's, of course, the theory that the original sighting and several of the ones after were just kids playing pranks that got out of control. Like, I mm. I would buy that kids were hiding in that area to scare people. I wouldn't buy that they'd be able to somehow create a 100-mile-per-hour oh. car chase with a giant bird-type creature. That's far too elaborate exactly. for children to pull off. Um, and also, some people believe that the whole thing was a hoax created by the town, which I take issue with for a lot of reasons <laughs> um, that we'll get into shortly. <laughs> Um, and then I don't know that it was a hoax created by the town. I would buy that it was a hoax created by those four people. I don't know. Like, and I've... then the town picked up on it, thinking it was real. So there is a um, Mothman Museum, which yeah, we'll talk more amazing. about later. Um, that is full of wonderful things, but it has um copies of the police reports that they filed. Yes, at two a.m. and I they were very afraid. <laughs> But, you know, again, they could they could have been playing. I'm just saying it is a possibility that these four people made it up. I don't know. I don't think it. I, I think don't they, think they, they did. think they saw what they saw. And I believe them like I, you know, but I'm just saying that would be a possibility to me. I don't think the whole town being in on it is as much of a possibility. Um, And then. Obviously, many believe that regardless of the origins of it, mass hysteria played a major role in the story, which, like, obviously it did. Yeah, it definitely Anything did. like this, like, uh, you know, the first handful of sightings are like, oh, people are seeing something weird. And then everyone starts seeing something weird. Because like, once a week for a year? They're yeah, afraid of it. Like, that's right. that, no matter what happened, whether they were really seeing something or not, the... Mm event the greater event was definitely influenced by mass hysteria mm -hmm, mm -hmm. okay <laughs> here's the fun one now we gotta get into this okay do we yeah yes because okay. it's hugely important to the story <laughs> um this is where everyone on earth has gotten the to the story of the Mothman. Yeah, this if, is why you know about the Mothman yes. if you're not from if where this we're from. next part did not occur, the people in West Virginia would be the only people who knew who the Mothman 100%, was. Hundred percent, yeah, for sure. So, in 1975, John Keel, who is a journalist and a paranormal investigator, releases his book The Mothman Prophecies. You have probably seen the film and never read the book, would be my yeah, guess for you probably. at home and also probably Anna. Unless you have read the book, in which case, like, Godspeed. strong dedication. Godspeed. Um, yeah. While researching for his book, Keel comes to Point Pleasant and interviews several of the original witnesses. Um, he, his book 
takes the alien angle, which we haven't mm-hmm. talked about yet. But, like, obviously when people start seeing something weird, other people believe that it's an alien. It's one of those things. That's just, that's what happens, right? Like, people believe anything weird is an alien. Right, right, right. So his book, the plot of his story, because, you know, it's a fictionalized telling of, of the real Except- events. Except I'm pretty sure the book is characterized as nonfiction, which bothers me because he was not there. So anything he writes is fictionalized. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but it's, I'm pretty sure it is. I'm going to look that up because I'm curious now. That's why a lot of people are like, mm, well, not cool, bro. Yeah, I don't know. I, well, actually, I think it's characterized as science fiction. No, no, it says nonfiction. You're right. The genre is nonfiction. Thank you. Which is absurd because he it was not just there. outright untrue. Yeah. Um, but yeah, his his book takes very heavily to the alien angle, and it fo- focuses very largely on the few reports of UFO sightings and the encounters with the Men in Black, which did occur oh, boy. during the year of the Mothman sightings. And the men in black is a whole other thing. Oh, my God. We're not talking about the Will Smith movie. Okay. We're talking about the inspiration behind the Will Smith movie, which is a little less goofy. Um, okay. We're going to let's dive in to this. Part. <laughs> okay. This is something that I the whole time I was taking notes. I was like, I have to fit this in somewhere. And I don't know where or how. Because it's a it hometown out. legend. Yes. Where we're from. Yes. But I figured it out. So. This occurred, by the way, in like right next to where we grew like up. down the like this next bit occurred between two places that we frequent often. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. This is right where we are. Um, yeah. <laughs> so on November second, nineteen sixty six. So this was before the Mothman sightings started happening in Point Pleasant. In Point Pleasant, yeah, yeah. A man named Woodrow Derenberger is driving home from work. He's driving from Marietta, Ohio to Mineral Wells, West Virginia. So it's like literally our backyard. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. He's driving on Interstate 77 through Parkersburg, West Virginia at about 7.30 p.m. when he spots a strange, large craft hovering in the road and forcing him to stop. On 77. On 77. Which is like, you don't just stop in the... First of all, it's an interstate. Like, you don't just stop in the middle of an interstate. Yeah, and it was like raining and dark, you know, the whole... And it's not... But it's not the middle of the night when there's like no other cars around. Well, it's 7.30 in November, uh, and we're recording right now at 6 p.m., and it's dark outside. No, no, no. I'm not talking about the light. Oh, yeah. And time of day. I'm talking about the amount of cars. Yes, that's true. (laughs) Yeah. Um... So he sees a big spaceship and stops his car. Um, A man who appears to be human steps out of the craft and speaks to Derenberger telepathically for a few minutes. So he reports that the man like never opened his mouth while he was talking. And and, in fact is smiling throughout the whole thing, which becomes a huge characteristic of this thing. Um, So throughout he's smiling throughout the conversation and he tells Derenberger that his name is cold. Like the, the, the temperature, the temperature. cold <laughs> um this next quote i got from keelian.org which was the website i was talking about that had all of the sightings in chronological order. oh keelian that makes yeah. sense yeah um the guy's name was keel yeah. yeah uh so it says quote cold was wearing a dark blue zippered overcoat made of a glossy or shiny reflective material with a darker blue buttoned shirt underneath and navy blue pants 
He had a full head of dark brown hair, which was combed back. His skin was deeply tanned, and he looked to be about 35 to 40 years of age. He stood with his arms crossed for the entire conversation. Uh, Cold tells him that, quote, we will see you again before flying away in his craft. And then Derenberger, apparently, for some time after this, has consistent contact with this man. Like, we know people related to this guy who have told us that they remember hearing about him talking to this person and hearing about this person being at his house. Yeah. And I remember I went on the um, Parkersburg Ghost Tour, which is... Just a delightful time. And they spent a lot of time talking about Mothman. Well, yes, because the woman situation. who does that oh, tour wrote a, like, wrote a book about this occurrence. By the way, she is a, a piece of work. Yes. She is something. I was she, describing oh my her God. to somebody the other night. It was awesome. I did that a while back. She's hard to describe. She does um, the horoscopes yeah on like the local, local news, news although she doesn't do that anymore oh, but when i was growing much, up it was a consistent thing it was a segment yeah yeah she's who she's something yeah um so the reason that this interaction with cold is connected to the mothman story is largely because of keel's novel because uh cold mm-hmm. is a major character in the novel um but also people in point pleasant apparently also had interactions with this man who later becomes known as Indrid Cold. Um, that's that's the name that he gives other people. So there there were sightings of the... Sometimes you might hear him called the smiling man um, because yeah, everybody like that. reports that he speaks to them telepathically and just smiles throughout the conversation. Don't like that at all. Um, <laughs> it's It's so weird. Like <laughs> there are a weird. lot of weird pieces of this and and this is this is a pretty surface level overview of this story. If you start digging, it gets weird. And it's this is one weird. of those places where it gets weird. Oh, I just Well, find it it's just I don't yeah, it's very yeah, I don't know how else to describe it other than weird. Yeah. <laughs> it's just weird. Um I, we'll talk more in a minute about how uh, Mothman becomes uh, known as like a harbinger of doom. And mm. this Indrid Cold character that appears here, um, in some tellings of the story, people describe him as the person who brings the danger. and right, that, He's like the omen. And that Mothman yeah. warns against the danger. If, you, if you've ever heard that like version of the story, which is the version... Right, that they're like... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? They're adversaries yes, of one another. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is is the version that I like to subscribe to personally. Yeah. I find that to be the most compelling. Um, but yeah, it is it is just odd. <laughs> it's just an odd yeah. piece of this. Um a f- on top of this, apparent alien sighting, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, a few people also report being visited by the men in black throughout the original mm-hmm. Mothman sightings. Mm-hmm. Which if you don't know, the Men in Black are Galaxy Defenders. <laughs> um, they are known as like a branch of the FBI who 
investigate any weird paranormal or alien sightings and apparently go to try and shut people up. But some people also think that they themselves are paranormal yes. in some way or another because they're also described as being like ma- like physically more massive and like too big. Well, to and be they men. all like look exactly the same and like yeah, yeah, and they appear to just like disappear after you've seen them like, yes. into thin air. Like and and yeah, if you hear about just any alien sighting under the sun, they show up somewhere in the story. Yeah, to the person who saw it, and you know. Um, right. But the men in black also play a, a huge role in Kiel's novel um, because he leans very heavily on this alien angle. Yeah. Uh, like I was saying before, the largest aspect of the Mothman legend that enters popular culture because of Kiel's novel is the idea that Mothman is a harbinger of doom. Right. Um, so in the novel and the the subsequent movie that came out in 2002, which we'll talk more about in a second, mm-hmm. um, many characters experience some kind of precognition about disasters that are to come. Uh, and while there there were a few reports of Mothman being seen near the Silver Bridge, this piece of piece of the legend largely stems from from Kiel's novel. It's a huge yeah, portion there are- of the novel. There are explanations as to why the bridge collapsed. Like, yes, there is a it, physical yeah. reason why it collapsed. So, But people associate it with this now because he put it in the novel. Mm-hmm. And it's really just, it was a few people saying, oh, yeah, I saw them. With the, which is like, well, and- yeah, I saw Goody Proctor with the devil. <laughs> and what? Like, you know what I mean? Uh, yes. Well, and, and Dennis, who, who I watched several interviews with, was saying that no one from Point Pleasant gives that theory any light no. of day um, well and also a lot of the people it, in point pleasant like lost i was gonna say it's ones. disrespectful to the people exactly. who were lost there it, so exactly. even though now it's a huge part of the lore like if you're gonna go to point pleasant which i recommend you do it's an amazing place don't play that card because no. it's a very real and tragic part of these people's lives and their history yeah um, yeah. There are, like, really beautiful memorials um, everywhere in that town for the, the Silver Bridge collapse that yeah. I, if you are going for Mothman stuff, recommend that you also go and experience. Um, mm-hmm. Because it is it is hugely important to those people's lives. Um, so, you know, not many people read that book. I mean, the book was, like, well, well enough received or whatever, but he was just, like, kind of another sci-fi writer, right? Mm-hmm. It gets very I'm sorry. popular. Nonfiction writer. Mm. Um, it gets very popular when the movie in 2002 comes out starring Richard Gere. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Uh, parts, well, Richard Gere, who wasn't going to see that, yeah. you know? Uh, parts of that movie are actually filmed in Point Pleasant, which is very cool. Uh, a lot of it's also filmed in Pittsburgh. Which makes sense because oh, yeah. it's all on the Ohio River. Um, well, also you get great tax breaks for filming in Pittsburgh. Ayo. That's why they filmed all of that Batman movie yep. here. And almost everybody I know here was an extra in that movie. <laughs> um, and the release of the movie re- really reawakens interest in the Mothman legend. Because people mm-hmm. just hadn't really heard about it until a major motion picture was made of it. You know? Sure. Uh, 2002 also saw the first Mothman festival in Point Pleasant. Oh, yeah. Uh, I was reading an interview with Dennis where he said the first festival was two tables. It was um, a man. Gosh, why can't I think of his name? But he's the guy that runs the museum. Uh, He Uh wrote a he's a local and he wrote a book about Mothman. It was him selling his book and it was a woman selling hot dogs. 
And that, that is very cool. different to how it is now. That town is packed when the Mothman Festival hits. Um, in 2003, the town unveils the sculpture by Bob oh. Roach of Mothman. It's on their main road. Incredible. Um, Dennis was saying in an interview that, like, apparently everybody was very, like, ho-hum about it. Because this is a thing. Up till the release of the movie, this town di- did not want Mothman to be their thing. They no, were very it reluctant. felt traumatic to them. Yeah, they were very yeah. reluctant about it being their thing. It was like they had no interest. When they were unveiling the statue and dedicating it, Bill Geist from CBS Sunday <laughs> Morning comes to report oh, on it. And all of a sudden, the whole town day. is like, oh, maybe we do like Mothman now. We're going to be on the television. Yeah, it oh, was boy. a big deal that yeah. CBS came to report on little small town nothing West Virginia. Like that's. Hey, I know the feeling. Know do you remember that when feeling. what's his name from Dirty Jobs I came sure to our do. town? And then he didn't say anything about our town yeah. when he was physically there. He was like around the corner from our house yeah. and he didn't even mention the name of our town. It was very Straight frustrating. Up. Yep. <laughs> Um, The Mothman Museum and Research Center is opened in 2005, and the Mothman Festival is still held every September, with the exception of this year. Um, Mm -hmm. It now draws in 10 to 12,000 visitors and brings in about $2 million for the town every year. So, of course, now people are very interested in Mothman. The whole town is just Mothman-themed. It's hugely... It's their whole it's tourism. Their tourism. Yeah. Yeah. Like, there's lots of other cool stuff in Point Pleasant. They have really interesting, like, Native American history and riverboat history and, like... But that's not kitschy. No, not at all. people like kitschy. Um, and the guy who yeah. runs the museum in an interview I was watching was saying, like, I like this because it draws people in and then people can see how cool our yeah. town actually is. Yeah. With, like, all the, the other museum. stuff we have to offer. I've never been inside. I've only been in the gift shop, but just that was amazing it's enough for me. It's my favorite place. It's incredible. It's it's basically one room. There's like a little offshoot, and I think they're expanding. Um, a good mm. half of it is just movie props from the Mothman yeah. Prophecies, which, yeah. which the guy was saying, like, they got those donated and that allowed him to like kickstart the museum. Sure. So a good half of it is, is just that there's a whole other section. That's just about the book. There's a whole section about the men in black. If you go to their website, you can see pictures. There are just two mannequins dressed up as the men in black. I was not <laughs> expecting this when I walked into the Mothman Museum. You can see part of it from the gift shop. So the first time I went, we just went into the gift shop. And I yeah. could like see and we, back like, peaked. in there. Yeah. Um, but then I walked in and I turned a corner and there were two people dressed as the men in black. And I had a breakdown because I was laughing so hard. Um, when awesome. we were there in the gift shop too, there's like a TV in there that just is constantly playing like interviews and news pieces about several it. different documentaries that they have. They just, play. and uh, that, that woman is uh-huh. in one She's of them one that of we them. were talking about. Yeah. yeah. And she, re- and she talks about injured cold. That's her whole piece. Um, yeah. But yeah. And, and there's a, a whole section that's got like the original interviews and newspaper clippings and all kinds of really cool. St- it is, it is cool. It is so like, it's every little tourist trap monster museum you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, but with a really, uh, I find heartwarming. Um, yeah, and then there touch are like the other town, right, like it's, yeah, yeah. Then there are like other places in town that like you could get a Mothman pizza, or you can go to the like Mothman coffee shop or whatever mm-hmm. and get like the coffee, and you know they sell Mothman like 
merch gear yeah. all over. Yeah. It's, it's, so it's not just yeah. the museum. Like, there Which, are other places you and, can get it. And I was saying before that I take issue with people being like, oh, the town has just, just made it all up so they could make tourism money. Like, if you know the history of it, you know that while it was happening, it was very it was frightening scary. to those people. Yeah. And then it ended in a tragedy that influenced that community for the rest of their lives. And I and find they, it... If it was just a... A tourism thing they probably would have taken advantage of it a lot exactly sooner, despite I, the fact that they didn't have the attention from the movie like they would have been pushing for it sooner yeah. if that i was find purpose. it offensive to say that yeah. those people made that up for tourism money like no now i think it's awesome that they that they use it like as they should oh they need it yeah for and, their and economy like, in, in if you've ever been to any small town in West Virginia, you will understand that that kind of thing saves towns. Absolutely. Straight up in our area. There's a reason there are so many weird, wonderful cryptids in this state, <laughs> and it's because people's tourism rely on that. It yeah. is. And like old Appalachian culture is so much about folklore and legends. Mm-hmm. And this is just like something that happened to happen in the 60s instead of in the 1800s. But it's right. so Appalachian in nature and in spirit that, like, of course, these people are going to use that for their income because it makes sense. Like, it's, it's yeah. a part of their story. Why wouldn't totally. they? Um, totally yeah i just love and they it. all live in towns where like the industries quote unquote of those towns are now dying out exactly. they need stuff like this exactly. so and it's worth it it's so Play it's it so up. fun there's no harm it is in fun it. it's, it's so not hurting fun. anybody now yeah yeah um so after the initial sightings and and then you know the more popularization of the legend as time goes on uh, other people report that they see Mothman at sites of other disasters. Very famously, mm. there are some reports of seeing Mothman at Chernobyl. Um, there are a few at, like, the fall of the Twin Towers and things like that. Um, I don't really buy into those ones. Like, no. I don't buy heavily into Mothman sightings outside of West Virginia because it's not like Bigfoot, right? Where people have <laughs> right. seen that type of creature many places across the United States. Or like part of the legend is that there are probably multiple. Right, right. Right. It was a hyper-specific event that happened Mm -hmm. in a hyper-specific community. And so I'm not likely to believe other sightings. Right. That being said, there were like 50 sightings in Chicago in 2017. I remember that. It was weird. And I then remember that. Actually, in September of this year, there was another Mothman sighting at O'Hare Airport in Chicago. Isn't that weird? That is weird. I don't know why that happened. And that also revived this a little bit for, for more people who are like, I've never heard of that. What's this weird sighting? And then a few people <laughs> were like, oh, yeah, isn't that from Chicago? And I was like, no, it's from West Virginia. <laughs> yeah (laughs) this is our thing um chicago has enough just let us have this um and then (laughs) i want to leave you with this okay that i read on the wikipedia page that really made me laugh oh excellent um in june of 2020 (laughs) a petition was started to replace all confederate statues in the united states with statues of the mothman as of july 2020 the petition has garnered over 2,000 signatures (laughs) 
I co-sign that. I just find that so delightful. I follow it's a much better representation of our nation. I follow the girl on Twitter who first suggested that, and she's my hero. It's so, so funny. funny. I just thought that was a good place to um, end our story. Yeah, that's fabulous. About him just still being in our lives. God love him. Um. Wow, I really oh thought this episode was going to be about 35 minutes. We went on some uh, rabbit trails. I also just care about it so much. <laughs> <laughs> so I knew I would just start going. You love Mothman it's a lot. It's just my favorite thing. And, and, you know, like I was saying, I just think, like, I love um, Appalachia a lot. And yeah. I love f- um, the history of folklore and storytelling in our state. And I think that this is just such a cool... Um, I say modern. The 60s were 50 years ago. Um, well, you know. But like. In the grand scheme of things. A lot of our our folklore and traditions come from like the 1800s. Like that's where yeah. a lot of our. We we have a very rich like Civil War history. Um, yes, um, because we're the only state born out of war uh-huh. in the United yeah. States. We, um, left, we left Virginia yes. during the Civil War. And, and you so. know, that's when the. the coal boom was happening for us and and so Mm -hmm. a lot of our really rich lore comes from from that that time period and like old wives tales that people told lots of our lots of our monsters are old wives tales um oh yeah you know but this is not that and i just find it so interesting and so uniquely appalachian and i i love it a lot I am interested in all of those things, but I also have an actual phobia of birds. So I'm not the biggest <laughs> fan of, like, the Mothman specifically. Yes, I understand Like, that. I wouldn't have pictures of it in my home. Uh-huh, the way that I do everywhere. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I did very much enjoy seeing the statue. It's the it's really incredible. It's, I, <laughs> it is so cool. And I, like, here's something I meant to mention when we were talking about the TNT area, right? So that area is now a wildlife reserve. Because they're trying to, like, you know, grow back stuff from where... And they don't want hunters on it. Exactly. Um, But some of the tourism is, like, go see where the original thing happened. Where the original sighting was. But there are no signs in the wildlife area directing (laughs) you to that. Me and my friends went to see it. We went to the museum. And we wanted to go look over there. And um, in the Mothman Museum... They have sheets of paper that give you directions to where to go. And there's no sign there, but there are like spray paint markings and stickers that people have left to help you find the place. Because the state's not going to pay for signs like that. But they want people to go enjoy the wildlife area. And so people have just like, it was literally like, drive like three minutes down this road and when you get to the sixth um i don't know whatever with these spray paint markings on it park walk for five minutes and you'll find it you would think that they could get money from the county to do the signs in the wildlife i i have no clue it is weird but i I don't know how things work in that i just i have one county would have done it a second i i should have pulled it out i have the paper in my car that has the like step by six directions and i remember being in my car being like is this it and then we started 
It's like the directions to Dwight's farm. Yeah. Like, drive into the sun. And then we started walking and we walked right by them because they're like literally in the br- Like it feels like you're walking to another world. It's so overgrown. The little mines. Yeah. The little um, yeah. TNT bunkers. It's so yeah. overgrown. And so we walked b- completely by all like five of them. And we had to turn back around and finally found them. It was odd. Anyway. It's an odd situation. Uh, the whole thing. But there's my, one of my favorite things on Earth. I've done Van Gogh and Mothman now, so we're really checking off the Amanda's entire personalities based off of these things list. Yeah, that is true. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Well, I liked it. Thanks. I already knew some of it, but it was still great. Thanks. It's my thing. Welcome. I know. You love it. Um, Well... If you listeners have suggestions for other episodes or if you have comments or questions, etc., you can email us at rememberthatpod at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter at RTTPod. Uh, and we are on Facebook. If you just search the name of the podcast, we will pop up. And we would love it if you would leave us a rating and review wherever you listen to the podcast. Um and if you want to find me on the internet, I am at the real Anna Webb, and I'm at ACW Nerdfighter. Ew. Did it. Um, well, this is coming out the week of Thanksgiving in America. Yes. So we hope everybody is celebrating safely. Um, Celebrate at home by listening to the podcast "Till Death Do Us Blart." <laughs> yeah, it's a classic. The Macroys put out every podcast. American Thanksgiving. Yeah. Um, yeah. Stay safe. Stay in the smallest groups you can. Stay home. Um, And next time, I think, as long as I don't change my mind, I'm going to talk about Princess Diana. Oh, that's excellent. Because I just finished season four of The Crown and I'm I'm ready to talk about it. That's another one that's been on our list since the beginning. Since the beginning, yeah. Yeah. I'm ready because I have a lot of feelings about (laughs) Lady Di. Oh my gosh. So many thoughts and feelings. It's just going to be this flipped. I went on a little bit of a Twitter rant about it the other day when I was finishing the series. So (laughs) you might be able to find that. But oh boy. um, yeah, so we might be talking about that. And then after that, it's going to be our holiday special. Yay! So that'll be coming up. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we decided we were going to do uh, Christmas Day events. Yes. And it'll Famous be coming things out, that have happened on Christmas. Yeah, and it'll be coming out the week of Christmas, so like the Monday before Christmas. Yeah. Um, and that will be our last episode of 2020, which is like, oh my gosh, I can't believe the year... Is I can't I simultaneously can't believe it's ending and absolutely can believe it's ending. Oh yes, very much that. Yeah. Which is how I feel at the end of every month. So yeah, yeah, it's very much that. <laughs> yeah. At this point, I'm like, oh my gosh, we're halfway through November. When did that happen? Yeah. At, at time of recording, when you listen to this, we'll be almost completely through November. <laughs> it's ridiculous. So that's uh, what's coming up. <laughs> that's all I got for uh, next time in the times after that. Awesome. Well, until that next time, remember that time.